It's a Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, season three, Punk Rock collaboration with Brandon Beck. Good afternoon, Punk Rock Classrooms crew. I, I'm super excited about today's Punk Rock collaboration. Um, many of you, well, none of you would really know this, but this collaboration has been like over a year in the making. Like we've tried so many times to connect and whether it was on mine and Josh's end or on our guest's end, who I haven't even announced yet, um, you know, we it just this year's the past year's been crazy. We finally have locked it down. Um, and I'm super stoked to be sitting here talking to the one and only Dr. Brandon Beck. So, Brandon, welcome to Punk Rock Classrooms. Oh, I'm pumped to be here, man. It has been a, a, a year in the making for sure. <laughs> for sure. So it's it's like I said, I'm I'm super excited. Um, and this also. We just started bringing guests back on. So um, you are my first guest of the new the new punk rock classroom season. So I'm super pumped that that it was with you. So, Brandon, for for anyone out there who doesn't know who you are, you want to give us like your bio of of who Dr. Brandon Beck is and kind of how you got into um, find yourself in education. Ooh, that's a good one, man. That's a great story. But first of all, I'm honored to be an inaugural episode right here. So this Mm. is, I didn't know that. That just made my day. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two. So yeah. Wow. Where did my, where does anybody's education journey start? But, you know, I, I grew up, I had parents, two parents that were both teachers, 37 and 35 year teachers. So it's a total of 72 years and I've been teaching for 20 years. So that's, you know, 92 years. So I'm a 92 year teacher. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, it's it's really funny. Like I always found myself teaching like at the age of 14, I was, I was a, I'm a, I became a, pro, a professional soccer player, semi-professional soccer player um, through my playing through college and playing through high school and everything. But I was a really serious goalkeeper. And God, when I was 14 years old, I just landed on a a mentor that was a really good coach of mine. That was a private coach. And he was a, someone who worked for the national team and just taught me so much on the field. And I was just always comfortable and confident being out there in the field. So I, I had been coaching soccer since I was 14 years old. And, and it was just natural for me knowing that I had both parents that were teachers. I, we had chances to spend time together traveling and, in the, in the off seasons during the holidays and the school breaks and stuff. And, and then that just aligned, just led to so many different opportunities. Like one of my other bigger opportunities, like before I became decided to become a teacher was I was a snowboard coach for terrain park athletes at Mount snow in Vermont. And it was the greatest job in college that I ever had because I was going to the mountain with these kids that were like, nine, 10, 11, 12. And they were just ripping all over the mountain and going on half pipes and going on rails. And I had some success with it. And at the end of my college career, when I was making a decision, I went to college in New Hampshire and I was making the decision to what I was going to do. I was torn between the decision of becoming a full-time snowboard academy competitive coach that would run the academy at Mount Snow or 
go to New York and try and find a teaching job. And I went to New York and found a teaching job. I followed family and that's where I ended up. Right. Teaching has just been, you know, my thing. It's I've been fortunate to be in the same district in Westchester County, New York for the past 17 years. I took on the opportunity to teach in a dual language classroom. Um, I'm monolingual, so I don't speak Spanish, but I teach the English part of my class. But Okay. I really should be able to teach a lot, but I should be able to really, you know, speak more Spanish. But a lot of my work are kind of surrounds about around a statement like that. A lot of my work is about self-efficacy, self-confidence. That's where my background in research comes from. And that's where a, back, a lot of my passion is. And so, you know, just being a teacher in the program led me to, you know, the pandemic and like everybody, every educator that's out there during the pandemic, we all just look to the sky and we're like, what? is going on right now. Right. And right. You know, I just found myself with time and writing and I turned to social media and I wasn't really using social media much at the time. And I just started searching and, and seeing what people were posting and started to see people were like a one Q one. I didn't even know what it right. meant at the time that it was a Twitter chat. And all of a sudden I found all these people to connect to along the way that were out there in the world, even like yourself, like I was always, I was like, there's a punk rock podcast. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I just started looking up EDU podcasts and things like that. And I was like, just something about being able to talk about education and being able to write about education and being able to find my own passions in, in education, in addition to being a teacher, just kind of led to a lot of hope and in, in the journey and led to becoming an author that was published a, a book, Unlocking a Limited Potential a year ago, um, which led to a podcast and live show called Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories, which has been just an amazing experience being able to pick people's brains and just hear awesome stories and share their work. It's PD in your pocket, just like all these these episodes really are like all these edu podcasts there's so many great ones that are out there and such great content just it, it led to me being able to and wanting to more provide more quality content on a regular basis to people that was helping improve our schools because if there's one thing we learned in the pandemic it's geez man we are uh we're ready for a shift you know times are changing and we're certainly not going back definitely man like <laughs> So I, one thing I did, this really has no content or bearing, but I remember one of the times we were going to record and I, I hit you up and you're like, oh, dude, I'm going snowboarding. And I'm not going to lie. Like I, obviously I skateboard my whole life. I grew up, um, you know, my parents taught me how to ski at a young age. And then when I got in like middle school, I transitioned over to snowboarding. But I was like, damn, I'm jealous. Like, I can't even be mad that we can't get this episode because he's going snowboard. So I, I had no idea about the soccer that, you know, snowboarding and having that, that choice to choose education. Um, you ever have any regrets, man, of not taking? The you know, it's funny you say that. You know, I think it, I actually have thought about that lately because we just happened to have like a couple straight weekends in our family of going to the mountain. And we went nice. I went back to Mount Snow with a group of with a group of guys and just had a chance to get out there, and you know, disconnect from, you know, the family and just get out with some friends that I hadn't had a chance to see in a while. And of course, those are awesome times. Right. Um, right. But no, I don't. I love where I live. I love the work that I'm doing. Um 
and that will eventually be there. I can always go back to that True. if I want, you know, at some point. And it's just one of those things is I enjoyed being outdoors. I enjoyed that side of it. I enjoyed really honestly seeing kids that were so little that you would never be able to think that a little kid could do a 720 or, you know, just all of this stuff. And they're just bouncing off the park. And it's just really fun to just see them having a good time. And there's also that character piece. Like we're on the chairlift. We're talking. There's a group right. of four of us. Right. I'm listening to their conversation and, and, you know, it's, it's always been, it's always interesting to be able to see what kids are capable of and what people are. And that's, that's kind of why I became a teacher, that idea of unlocking unlimited potential. Like that's not a, a phrase that I use that I believe is to be used lightly. Like I believe that a lot of people get into education because they want to tap into people's potential. And I think people's potential is really infinite. And there's just so many things that we can do to keep ourselves headed in the right direction. But there's also a lot of realities. And I get that. And I think a lot of the, you know, one of the positive things that came out of the pandemic for me was the fact that people started talking, throwing around the terms social emotional learning and mental health and culturally responsiveness as terms that were like no longer accepted as terms that we could ignore and terms that were now important. And I think because a lot of schools that I work with and that I know started to put more time and initiative into allowing those spaces to be free to allow those connections to happen. I think that's a positive shift of the pandemic, but I just think that that whole concept for us as educators, being able to educate the human is really why we're all there. Oh, definitely, man. Um, All right. So unlocking unlimited potential. It just, it's been over a year. It's been out. Um, Tell us, I mean, tell us about the book. Like if, if someone were to pick up your book, what, cause I'm not going to lie. Your title the cover. I mean, it draws me in. I remember when it first came out, I was like, damn, that's a good, that's a good title for an education book. So tell us, you know, tell us, tell us about it. What would, what can we expect from it? What are we going to get from it? Well, it's funny you say that because I had about 20 different titles before I had landed on that one. And I walked around with a notebook for about two weeks and just wrote down every title that came right. in my head. Because when I first thought of the idea for the book, the title of the book was close your door and teach. And I thought that I, that was a saying that we had said a lot in our school where it was just like, look at shut out the noise, get after it. Let's do it. And let's do what's right for the kids. And I had a couple of publishers that looked at it and my first chapter, my introduction was a disclaimer. It was basically saying like, I'm not saying that I'm saying I know everything, but blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, if you have to explain yourself, and you have to explain your title. They're like, maybe you should change the title. And I was like, that's actually the best piece of information that I received. I was like, thank you. Um, and that person ended up, I think, rejecting me. So that's just the layer of the game. And that's totally fine. I, I can be a, right. I can be a loser some days and I can be a winner most days, I like to think. But, you know, it, unlocking a limited potential, it's all around a lot of what I've been describing and discussing already, like it is our infinite, it is our ultimate goal as educators to want to be able to unlock unlimited potential in all those we serve every single kid we work with every day. Now that's 
a tall order. And that's not always guaranteed. That's not always something that you're going to be able to do 100% of the time with 100% of the kids in front of you. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have right. good days, you're going to have bad days with certain kids, et cetera. So being able to reach for it is what the book is built around. And so the book is broken into three parts. The first part is building the foundation. That's talking about really redefining your why, having clarity in your story and identifying your purpose so that you can basically kick some you know what to get out to that classroom, to get through the door, to be able to get yourself in every day with that fire lit so that you're really focusing on what matters most within the curriculum that you're using and within the content that you're using, there's always a way. Right. And so being able to bring that stuff, that growth mindset, that character education, that self-talk, the positive affirmations in each chapter of the book is designed so that you can reflect at the end. So as a stop and jot, and then also there's what I call ASIs action steps for immediate implementation. So when you finish reading a chapter of the book, there's a list of things you can go and do in your classroom that I discussed in the chapter or extra extensions that you can go do tomorrow. That was always my thing right in the book. Nice. I wanted people to be able to come back and forth into it so they could take something today, reflect on it, learn, right. grow. Second part of the book, using challenges as opportunities for growth. Using all those challenges, thinking of those challenges that we all face as educators and, and the, the populations that we teach. I happen to teach in a setting that is in a high Hispanic Latino community. But I also have students in my community that are in the school district that go to Paris for spring break, spring vacation and kids that have never left the town. So one town over is Trump golf course and kids have a lot more opportunities and they're not even, they're not even a hundred yards apart. Um, It's really unique. So it's a, it's a, a district that is, um, full of students that many people consider to be the lost, the lonely, the left out, the disadvantaged. And then there's also the kids from the total other end of the perspective, perspectrum or the whatever I'm saying, I'm losing yeah. my mind, but the whole <laughs> other side of the, the spectrum that they are just highly, highly, you know, have a lot of opportunities, have a lot of, you know, support at home, have educated parents. And so it's just really a a very, very diverse school district. And so being able to work with those students provided me a lot of challenges that led me to being a dual language teacher. And I don't speak Spanish and a realization in there that I really am a good teacher of, of language learners. And I really got in my own way a lot. And that led me down the journey of writing a dissertation about how people feel about their preparation to become teachers of L's or while they're teaching teachers of L's. And then that led me to professional development. That led me to self-efficacy. It's just like all of it connected in many ways. And that's the final part of the book. The final part of the book is, okay, now you're going to go out there and it's about believing in you, the third part. And I take just personal development authors, Bob Proctor, rest in peace, who passed away. He is an amazing legend. He's in there. Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, um, people like John Wooden. And I take their stuff that they talk about unlocking unlimited potential. And I connect it to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences, just so that you can see that there's the, the stuff that in the book that we're talking about is connected 
in research and it's been around for a long time in the, the connection of personal development and this idea of professional development, they go together hand in hand. Definitely, man. I, I love it. You've said so many, so many great things in there. One of the things I got to say, not once, like you could tell you're extremely passionate about being an educator. So like when I asked you about the snowboard, anything before, like I can tell like by hands down, you've made the right choice and the education world needs you because you not once mentioned anything about raising test scores or, you know, teaching to the content standards and all, you know, all that, like all of it can come back to believing in yourself. Like that's the first thing, right? Like, and you, you've kind of mentioned that, like you need to take these challenges, you know, your personal, you just said your personal um, development and Josh and I have talked about this, like, you come first. Like it's not being selfish. Like if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not growing, you're not learning, you're not moving forward, you're going to be no benefit to anybody. And then second, like tying it in with taking your profession, like we're in education, like we need to keep, none of us are ever going to be experts. And and, the day that someone says like, okay, I've got it. I know it all. Well, that's the day you need to leave the field because there's, is always room to grow, but it's all about, building those relationships with those students you're working with to help build them up to be the best person of themselves. I mean, and, and honestly, my whole, you know, my, my vision and my whole philosophy too. And I, we just had a staff meeting yesterday and it was one of my formal observations. You know, we have two formal observations here um, as administrators. It was my second one. And I said in front of my, um, my director of curriculum assessment who was completing. And I'm like, all of you know me, like raising our test scores and, you know, trying to, to do this with the state test or our local map. It's, that's not my main focus. Um, and we, if you put these relationships first, like those things are going to fall in place. That can't be like your goal, you know? Um, so you said something earlier um, today you said that the education world is ready for a shift, especially with this pandemic. So I'm curious, you know, over the summer, we did a summer series. So you can either answer the summer series type of question or, you know, take it to, but what is the shift you think we need to see or we need to have? Um, and basically over the summer, we, we were asking guests, if you can change like one thing in education, what would that thing be and why? So they kind of go together. Like what's this shift? Cause I agree. And I've got, you know, my top three of what I think we need to do, what we can never go back to, I guess, really. But what does Brandon think? Like, what do we, what's the shift we, we have to have? So that is my one word 22, by the way, is the word shift. Nice. So I, I have thought a lot about this. I've actually written a blog about this as well. You can find that on my website. So yeah, I, um, the shift is what we're starting to see right now. And what I said before, the fact that schools are starting to look at this character education piece, the social emotional learning, the culturally responsive teaching, being able to teach kids about growth mindset, that personal development stuff is really what's going to be the wave of the future. It's going to be tying that into your curriculum. It's going to be tying that into your students. And how can we expect 
innovation anymore if we keep doing things for our students. Our students have learned in the past in this time, like how much it's just been amazing to me to sit back to see how capable they are. I don't I will never create a Google survey ever again because I will always have a student who will do it in three minutes of time. I will I will never do that. So where can you find opportunities for students to create their own personal development goals? You can relate them to the content. You can relate them to the work that you're doing with the student behavior, socially, emotionally, however you want to in whatever area. But really setting goals, and this is something that I've found a lot in my journey recently because I've had the opportunity with Darren Peppard. We both took on this and started this guy. called, oh, he's an awesome dude. So we've started um, UUP on the RTA results coaching. So my book, Unlocking Unlimited Potential, his book, Road to Awesome. We really talk about that idea. And we, after I read his book, he read my book. We were like, we were like, best book bros. And I was like, Oh my God, you said this here. I'm so connected to that. And when you just had this, we always were talking about coaching and we started that a year ago. And what I see in that and what I continue to talk about, what we continue to preach is we as adults sit here having a difficult time to sit down and focus on one goal, one thing we want to accomplish. Yeah. We got a lot of ideas, but we have a difficult time like planning and scheduling that out as adults, right? Well, how do you think that is for our kids if adults are having a difficult time? So the more we can get them to be aware of what they're learning and why they're learning it and how they can improve inside of that learning, the more we can get them to articulate that, the better we can do. So that's like the first step forward. And that comes from that character education piece. So if we take it from that character education piece and we take that we should be able to infuse that into our curriculum and it should be able to really pump some juice into our group. And it allows the teacher to get to know them. And we start to, we start to kind of pull away a little bit from the structures of the, the defined time periods of the day, which is complicated. So how do we come up with a scheduling that works? There's options. How do we provide a little bit longer time with our educators instead of those smaller tiny blocks where they're in and out. And maybe when they're older in the secondary level or the high school level, maybe they don't need as many of those connections one-to-one. Maybe it is more like our, our high schools look more like a space of like a Google, you know? Oh, I love it. I I love it, man. And I, I agree. Like I've been telling, um, I've been saying for a while, like, you know, I went to, um, the, the, um, Oh man, what was that big conference that was just here? The NAESP was in Chicago this year, you know, and and I went to um, the the pre-conference day because uh, my buddy Adam Welcome was was speaking. So my I got my district there. I'm like, hey, I want to do the pre-conference day too. Like, okay, we'll we'll sign you up for it. And uh, he said something during that where you know, so many schools like have spent have been saying like, okay, here's when we do SEL, right? Like we do SEL from nine to nine 30. No SEL is in co- embedded into everything you do. And, and it has to be like SEL is in your math lesson. It's in your science lesson. It's, you know, it's in your gym class. I mean, everything. And I came back on our, our opening day with the staff and I told them, I said, you know, cause I was guilty of it too. Like we had our grizzly greetings, like here's when we're going to do our circles and talk. And they were very, you know, extremely beneficial, and 
we saw tremendous positives come out of it. But I'm like, look, we got to step up the game, especially with this trauma of the pandemic these kids have been going through. Um, it's time to SEL is everything we do. Um, and what was learning I, at home like for everyone? Learning at home right. was was we were waiting for this computer issue. We were waiting right. for this thing to come through. We were waiting for that. There, It was a slower time. And we started to see kids just kind of some of them. It really benefited. And some of them moved, right. you know, in, in directions they wanted to. So there was there's pieces of that to take away. But, yeah, you're absolutely it's, correct. It's, and a, it's exciting. It's, it's an exciting time to be an educator. It has to be an exciting time or else we're not going to make it. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, like it's what, what you were saying is it's basically we're, we want the shift needs to be, we got to have these kids take learning into their own hands. Like I'm, we're going to be the facilitators. Like here, here's what we're going to give you. What are you going to do with it? And that's powerful when you truly think about this, a student owning their learning and just how, limitless it truly could be for them um i got two more questions one so you wrote a book you obviously you know wrote a dissertation um you've got a podcast you've got this coaching thing with darren you've got a family right so how does brand back find the time for all, all of these things, how do you balance family life, work, and all of these extra things um, that you're putting out there for the world? It's a great question. I'd love to say I'm perfect at it, and I'm not. And I will say that I try really hard. Um, I'm my kid's soccer coach. I spend time coaching my kids when they play their sports. Um I have an amazing I hope wife. you would. You were a semi-pro. You better be yeah, coaching. Yeah, <laughs> I, still, I still coach a fair amount. Um, my, uh, I have an amazing wife. She's, you know, since we, I, she stays home. She's been okay. home for 11 years. And since we had our, our kids and I have a one and a half year old at home now. So I'm also changing diapers. So yeah. I have, there is time sometimes where I, I definitely ghost for a few weeks, but I try to stay pretty consistent. Listen, she's, you know, a part of this journey. She knows the path we're on. We're, we're, you know, really trying to make big change here um, and trying to make, you know, impactful work happening. And, you know, it's just, I've just been really fortunate to be passionate a lot of, about a lot of different things. And I keep coming back to it. The one thing that is all connected is always, I keep coming back to education. Yeah. And so I try my best to stick on a schedule. I try to have some good habits. Uh, I love the book by James Clear, Atomic Habits. What yeah. an amazing book. Highly recommend if you have not read that book, that you will change your life. I actually think I'm going to start, I've, I'm like almost finished with it. And when I finish it, I think I'm just going to keep rereading it because it's that good. Just those um, great reminders. It's so yeah. good. So I try to, I try to have some good habits. I try to listen to an inspirational podcast every day. Uh, on my way to work. I try to hit the gym three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, before I go to work. Um, I try to keep with a planning system and, and so that I can keep everything in front of me on a regular basis and just try my best to, to do that. I mean, when you're a highly active kid, like I was growing up, one thing that I found that worked for me was when I was busy, I was always, you know, very happy. And, and so yeah. I find opportunities to stay busy and I find that it's pretty awesome that we have 
time zones. So I can get on a phone call <laughs> at nine o'clock and it'd be six o'clock in California. And that's right. pretty cool. So you find ways. I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing that I think that really helped me in, in getting into this space was the fact that everything was online. And so the, right. I'm still a teacher in the classroom. And so I'm able to do a lot of things and connect with a lot of people online without leaving my home. Right. And now that in-person things are happening, I'm starting to book things for the summer. I'm starting to book things for weekends, for, for breaks, you know, in different ways. But I'm also, and always, my family's very conscious of traveling. We always have certain vacations that we plan to see family. We go to Arizona every single year um, to Phoenix and, and Tucson. And that's always a spring break for us. And we have huge side of our family out there. And so it's just good to, to have those little places that we can all stop and drop and just hang out and do things. And I think that's important for you to celebrate and find ways to do it. Definitely, man. All right. Last question. Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. We always need to know what have you been listening to? Oh, dude. Well, I've been waiting to talk about my, my punk rock experiences <laughs> because I'm a huge fan. So I was in a rock band in high school. The name of the band was glitch. Okay. And we were, uh, we were not a punk rock band. We were an alt, alt rock band, but yeah. we definitely played some real big fish. Nice. Um, we definitely played some mighty, mighty Boston's. We had a couple friends that would play horns, but I always loved horns. I'm a huge like funk fan right now. Yeah, I still follow. There's a band that I love. That's a ska band. That's out of um, they're out of Boston. Uh, a band called Ripe R I P E. They're okay. absolutely phenomenal. And I saw them at this little small community. Not a community. I would say this small local music festival a couple of years ago, and then just fell in love with them and they were playing and I live 25 minutes outside of New York city. So there's always music and there's always shows. So, you know, we would go to, we would go and see them as they would come back to the city. And so I just ended up seeing them in the city. I saw them in Boston. I saw them in Rhode Island. And all of a sudden I've seen them like 10 times and they're just such a great band. So huge shout out to ripe the band. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's not, they're not paying me for that plug. I just, (laughs) I like it. My, my, my children actually listen to it. They're like, dad, put that song on. No, dude, I agree. There's something about horns that I love. They always, they always bright me up. Like last night I was uh, just sitting there and I was going through like some old punk ska catalogs from like local Midwest bands, a lot of Chicago bands. And from, uh, we had a lot of bands out from Michigan that would always make their way to Chicago. Um, you know, I was, I texted, uh, Josh last night. I was like mustard plug. I'm like, I never was a big fan of them, but they had one, they had one song I still loved. And I was like, dude, this song is still amazing. Like 20, 30 years later. Uh, so th- I'll never yeah. forget my first warp tour. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I'll never forget it. And, you know, and Green Day was there. It was literally the headliner. And so that was awesome. And then when Green Day came out with the Broadway show, American yeah. Idiot, I went to like the third day that it was there, that it came out. And Billy's sitting right in front of us, gets up. He walks in, the whole band's there and they're all watching it. Like three rows in front of us. Everybody That's goes awesome. nuts. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. We'll definitely, so we'll definitely have to have you back on and do a, <laughs> like a strictly punk rock Absolutely. Ska, uh, episode man yes. um all I right like so this. so everyone you guys know where you can find us uh punkrockclassrooms.com you can follow me on twitter and instagram at mike r earnshaw you can follow josh at josh r buckley 
and you can follow at Punk Classrooms. Um, Brandon, how can our, we'll put these on the show notes too, but Brandon, how, all can, good. how can people connect with you, uh, get your book, all that good stuff? Yeah, I keep it real simple. My website is brandonbeckedu.com. And that is also my socials, brandonbeckedu. That's just all you have to remember. Sweet. And we'll still put them in the show notes. Definitely go check out. Uh, all, you, if, if you're not following Brandon, like you have to, like I'm, he's, you talked about, you listen to an uplifting podcast every day. I'm telling you, man, when I hop on social media and I see things by you, like it, it brightens my day. I'm like, man, this guy. So I'm glad we got to talk and I got to experience your passion in uh, in person. So I appreciate that. Well, yeah. listen, you know, it's, it's just like whenever we post something, you always say like, if it helps or gives one person hope, then right. That's something that I found I needed at a time. And I followed other people who were doing it. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start doing this too, because this makes sense. And, you know, it also, it's, it's looking and reflecting within and, and giving something out that you want to, it's, it's different as opposed to being like, some famous TikToker that's doing something for whatever, but I feel right. like the purpose attached to what we're doing as people being out there in the space, sharing content, I feel like that that's just, it's valuable and it's needed. And I think that it's really cool about how education has gone to that platform has gone to social medias and just all it the, it's a different world. Like there's some people who know about it and there's some people it's like, right. It's like the beach in Thailand that nobody knows about. It's the really a crazy thing. Getting active on Twitter changed my changed my whole career, man. So totally. All right, crew. Well, we will see you at the show. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We'll see you on the next episode.